Welcome to Action Chapel International. We are one church in many locations worldwide. We are so excited that you took the time to join us today to feed on God's word and to enrich your spirit. We know that your life will never be the same. Now please join us for this powerful message. Thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in. All our online members and family, friends and loved ones, <clears throat> all across the nations, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to our second service today here at Action. Please lift up your hands wherever you are and pray with me. Pray for me that the Father will help me to help you. That the Father will help me to help somebody. In the name of Jesus, that is very important. That is not by the enticing words of man's wisdom, but that I will bring illumination, understanding, light, revelation, to help somebody, whoever you are, wherever you are, that help will come to you today. That God will show his children mercy. Please open your mouth and pray for me. Ask the Father to help me. Ask him to help me to help somebody. Help the archbishop. Father, help your son. Help your servant. Enable me by grace, by inspiration and utterance from on high, to help somebody. Let the veil be broken. Let the veil be destroyed, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we break every attack on our spiritual and even physical sides. We break the attack on our health. We bind every attack on our health. In the name of Jesus, we break the blindness. We destroy the veil. Let the veil be lifted. Let there be light. Let there be illumination. Now, one of the most powerful weapons of the enemy is to keep you and I ignorant. As long as we are ignorant of his devices, he has the advantage. And we want to pray and break the veil. A veil, the veil. The Bible says, who bewitch you not to obey the truth? Let the veil be destroyed. Let the veil be lifted. Whatever veil he's using to deceive us, to hold people at ransom, home and abroad, Wherever people may be, whoever they are, whatever they are, let the veil of deception be destroyed. Let the veil of physical and spiritual blindness be broken in the name of Jesus. Put your hands together. Break the veil. Break the veil. We break the veil. We destroy the veil. Let the veil be removed from loved ones from friends and family, home and abroad. Let them be delivered in the name of Jesus, released in the name of Jesus, set free in the name of Jesus, escape in the name of Jesus as we break the power of deception. We bind seducing spirits, lying demons in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you once again for coming 
and tune in. You may be seated with a clap offering. About three years ago, I preached a message entitled, Don't Blame God or Stop Blaming God. And uh, it's, it's been coming very strong to me lately that I need to revisit that message because reputation is very, very important for illumination because sometimes we keep preaching every time new, new, new things when we haven't observed and paid attention to some of the old truths. And we live in very trying times in the history of humanity. These are abnormal times. These are times of insanity and madness. Seke beyamin. Seke. Seke beyamin. Edam, edam. Those are the times we live in. So many things don't make sense. And I know there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there who, for whatever reason, um, will not come to church. They are angry with God, they are angry with church, they are angry with the leadership of the church, and some are angry with prophets and are angry with pastors and angry with men of God and are saying that how come no prophet and none of the pastors or the leaders of the churches uh, caught a revelation about this coronavirus to warn people? How come people were seeing everything but they didn't see the corona? And for whatever reason, they are disappointed in church leaders and prophets and men of God. And so they don't want to have anything to do with the church. Some are uh, holding their own services and have become pastors and prophets and apostles over their own self and family overnight. Uh, let me take the opportunity to plead with you to reconsider your situation, your state, and your decision because there's a possibility that you are, you've erred or you are erring or you are uh, under deception or spell. And I explained that to you. When it comes to the events of the end times, no prophet and no man of God and no church leader has power over that. And we see in parts and we prophesy in parts. The prophet Elisha, who carried double portion of his father Elijah's anointing or mantle, said, The Lord hid this from me when he came to the son of the Shunammite woman. She lost the son. Elisha had prophesied about the son, and it came to pass. But when the son got ill and he passed, he didn't know anything about it. And when the woman went to see him, he said, the Lord kept or hid this from me. And God does that to show to all of us, church leaders, prophets, it doesn't matter who we are, that we are all limited. That we prophesy in parts and we see in parts. And also when it comes to the events of the end time, please take time to read Matthew 24. No preacher and no prophet and no church leader can utter, change or avert any of those things Jesus spoke of concerning the times. It's like when it's winter. No prophet can change the season when it's winter. You can't stop winter or snow when it's time or summer, raining season. And you can't utter 
the eternal decrees of God. Nations shall rise against nation. It will happen. You can prophesy as much as you want to. Pray as you, you can alter those things. Kingdoms against kingdoms. Political kingdoms against political kingdoms. Tribal wars. Earthquakes. Tsunamis. Bad weather. Strange happenings and events of the world. Those are things that none of us can change. For they came out of the lips of the master himself. And no one of us have power to change or to alter those things. They will happen. But God will preserve his own. That's what the Bible says. Unless the days are shortened, even the very elect will be deceived. So God will shorten the times to save the very elect. It's all there in Matthew 24. Then the Bible says, in the end times, perilous times will come, difficult times, trying times. And I must say unto you, I'm not a prophet of doom, but I must submit to you, this world is not going to get any better anymore. These are the beginnings of the days of sorrows. Difficult times than this is coming. And if all the hope you have is in this world and in material things and in this world becoming a better place, you've been fooled and you are deceived. It's not going to become any better than it is but worse. It, it will only get better in Christ but outside of Christ it's going to get darker and worse. I'm just going to tell you the truth as it is. So if you have hope and confidence that this world is going to get better, you've been fooled and deceived by the adversary. I'm just telling you. And so what do I do? It's time to win souls as never before for eternal rewards. These are the days to talk to people about their salvation and their eternity with Christ. These are the days to turn people from darkness to light. For he that winneth soul is wise. These are the days to reflect and take stock of why we are here, why we came, and what we are doing here. As never before, these are the days to remember our Creator, and work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The title of the message is Don't Blame God. Stop blaming others. And even stop blaming yourself. Because there are people who are not blaming God. And there are some that are blaming God. And there are others blaming others. And not blaming themselves. And there are some too blaming themselves. Martha said to Jesus in John the 11th chapter, he said, if you were here four days ago, if, 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 there's a lot of if going on, traveling all over the place, because of the uncertainty of the times. Job said, the thing that I so feared has come upon me. And I'm talking to you so that 
You will not become a victim of your fears. Because there's a lot of fear. And it's not just the virus and the second wave that is killing people. It's also the fear of it that is killing people. Fear has become an opening to invite the spirit of death to take hold of people. People are left to die at home. They are left to die in different places because everybody is afraid to get close to touch them. Isolated from friends and loved ones and family because everybody is afraid to die. It is what it is. And some are left without medications and help. Some are dying out of hay fever, malaria, typhoid, pneumonia, all kinds of diseases, all in the name of Corona. And Corona sets in to shut everything down. We have to come to a place to realize that there's a possibility there'll be many more waves. That there'll be, there's a possibility that dangerous times than this is ahead of us. And how do we survive as God's children? And it is my responsibility, as it is said, to call your attention to the word of God. There's no other way. And there is nothing else I know that works than the word of God. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And it is written, the grass withers and the flower faded. But the word of our God shall stand forever. It is written, search the scriptures. Read it, for none of the things that are written therein shall fail. There is no other way I know to lead you but the word of God. These 44 years in ministry, I have taught you the word of God. And it is faith in the word that has brought me that far. And I know no other way but the word of God. And that is what I call your attention to. For the just shall live by faith. And let our faith be strong in what God's word says, irrespective of what's going on. The word of God abided forever. And it will stand the test of time. But no amount of prophetic powers and no seer and no church leader can change the events of the times. Because it is written, redeeming the times of the days are evil. It is what it is. What is written is written. And it's time to come to terms without. And I believe I have the spiritual and the moral responsibility to remind you of the times we live in. Because the lack of understanding leads to misunderstanding. And there's a lot of misunderstanding in town, in homes. A lot of people are confused because of the lack of understanding and revelation. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12. Genesis 3.12 And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. This is the first time in the history of humanity that a man accused and blamed his creator. God came on the scene and said, Adam, what have you done? What has gotten you to the state 
you find yourself in. What got you into this state of mind? This state of mind and emotions and spiritual and physical. You find yourself in. What got you there? What's going on with you? Adam. And he said, Lord, is the woman you give me. He accused God, pointed his finger at God. Then God turned to the woman and said, woman, what do you have to say to what he said? Respond to what he said. Are you the one responsible for this? And the woman did not respond to what the man said. She didn't say, aha, God, he was with me. He had the serpent. He did nothing about it. He, he, he had the fruit with me. He didn't resist it. Why are you accusing me? That could have been the first world war. But the woman didn't accuse him. She chose not to be an accuser, but an intercessor. <clears throat> the times we live in, it's very easy to become an accuser through misunderstanding. Through lack of understanding, you can be an accuser. But she didn't do that. She said, I'm taking responsibility. It was not the man. It was the enemy. It was the serpent that beguiled me. The enemy. She laid the axe to the root and said, we were fine until the enemy came in through a third party, the serpent. He's the enemy. And God said, because you did not play the role of an accuser, because you identify the source of the problem, because you place the fault at the doorstep of the one responsible, because you chose to be an intercessor and not an accuser, God said, I'm cutting a deal with you. I will give you a seed even though you don't have a seed as a woman. I will bring a seed from heaven. Plant this seed in your womb. And it will be in your womb for nine months. Before any man feels or touches the power of this seed, you carry it in your womb for nine months. And I don't want Adam to have anything to do with what I'm about to do. We call it the new creation or the new creation reality. God said, Adam, because you became an accuser, because you blame me for a blessing, because you accuse me for what I gave to you as a blessing, you will not be part of this new thing I'm about to do. It will just be me and the woman. You have no part in it. Let's be careful who we blame. Today, husbands are blaming wives. And wives are blaming husbands. Yeah. Today, children are blaming parents. Parents are blaming children. Citizens are blaming governments. Yeah, citizens are blaming governments. Government is blaming citizens. Opposition is blaming government. Government is blaming opposition. Everyone is blaming someone. And siblings are blaming siblings. Everyone is pointing finger at one another. Why is the enemy of mankind is enjoying behind the scenes and in the shadows? 
He loves it when we are ignorant of his devices. Forgetting that this is not about you and I. It's not about what you did right or wrong. You can do everything right and still get it wrong if you lack understanding of the workings of the adversary. There is an enemy. The Bible calls him the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. Most times say God is in charge. God is not in charge. God is in charge of the lives of those submitted to him. He's in charge of nations submitted to him. He's not in charge of everything. Even though he's sovereign and has power over everything, there are rules of engagement. He gave this world the governance of the earth to Adam and Adam through high treason ceded it to the enemy. So you must understand how things work. So you don't point finger at God, accuse God, blame God, others. And even sometimes you have to be careful that you don't end up blaming yourself. You know, don't do that. But that is what the enemy loves. He enjoys seeing you and I accusing God, blaming God. Blaming others, accusing others, and even to the extent of accusing and blaming ourselves. He takes pleasure and delight in that. Because you see, evil is never satisfied till it destroys good. And there is evil in this world. There is evil in this world. The Bible says that the devil cometh not but to kill. Devil from outside. Satan from within. He comes not to give life but to kill, to steal and to destroy. He's in the business of killing and stealing and destroying. That is his ministry and he's anointed to do that. And he will work through third parties. He will work through ignorance. He will work through certain situations and circumstances. If we lack understanding, we give the enemy an upper hand. Please come with me to Lamentation 5-7. Our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquities. Our fathers, our fathers, not us. I recognize, I realize, and I understand that God will visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the fourth to the third and fourth generations of those who hate him. I understand that. When you go to see a doctor, they give you form to fill, they ask you questions. Uh, uh, did your father, grandfather, anybody in your family uh, had uh, hypertension, diabetes, different kinds of things? They want to know because these things are hereditary. So I understand that things happen from one generation to another generation. But what I'm saying here is, <clears throat> it's not a norm to recognize or to acknowledge what our fathers did wrong. But what is important is to reverse it, is to reverse the consequence. So instead of talking about our fathers, our fathers, our fathers, we must come to the place where we say it ends with me and I reverse the consequence or the effect of the iniquity of my father. Instead of always saying, our father, our father, our father. Because when you keep doing that, you keep shifting blame to past generation and not doing anything about the consequence. But it doesn't matter what they did. It can be reversed on the account of the blood of Jesus. That's why this year, that's why this year is 5781. 
which means the year of reversing the curse. So whatever they did wrong, it can be reversed. And that is what we must be focusing on. Reversing the curse and not blaming them, but reversing the curse. Ezekiel 18, 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. You see, so God is saying that I will empower this generation to make an utter end, to bring to an end this proverb. I will raise a generation that will cause to seize the proverb, saying that our fathers, our father, our fathers, our father, and this is what is going on in this generation. Children are blaming parents and parents are blaming children. But this is not the time to accuse and blame God and anyone or even yourself. But this is the time and the hour to acknowledge what's going on. Whenever you see confusion and misunderstanding between siblings, father and mother, husband and wife, ladies and gentlemen, there is an enemy at work behind the scenes and in the shadows. Somebody takes pleasure and rejoice when there is conflict, misunderstanding and confusion between a husband and a wife, a father and a mother, and siblings, and children, and parents and kids. Someone takes pleasure in that. For he is the author of confusion. He creates it. Like I'm an author of books. That is what he does. He takes delights in it. He loves it. When he sees us divided among ourselves. For it is written any kingdom and any house. And any country. People or nations. Husband and wife divided among themselves. Will not stand. They'll be divided. They'll be destroyed. And that is what the enemy does. When he wants to destroy us. The first thing he does is to attack our language and bring confusion, misunderstanding. So you say one thing and I hear something else. I'm for peace, but when I speak, it is always war. Misunderstanding is one of the most dangerous weapons Satan has deployed to destroy us. He gets us not to understand each other. And whenever we don't understand each other, misunderstanding and confusion is what prevails. Turn your Bible to Matthew 6.13. And do not lead us into temptation, mm -hmm. but deliver us from the evil one. Mm -hmm. For yours is the kingdom of the power and the glory forever. He did Amen. not say deliver us from evil, but he said deliver us from the evil one. Ladies and gentlemen, evil is not something. Evil is someone. And Jesus said, Father, Deliver them from the evil one. Because the evil one has declared war on humanity. The evil one is on the loose to steal, to kill, and to destroy families. To bring grief, sorrow, and pain into families. He wants to see us cry and grieve. La kumasi amutasas. 
Sana malaka du mataha nasas. Seluku faris isainda lahan duai laku alahansi semalai kuan devei luku watalasi bahanda. Let tears and grief and sorrow be averted from our dwellings. Hey, nesuku matina hasis abalagaduli kisata hayas. He takes delight in afflicting humanity. John chapter 17 verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Again, Jesus praying for his disciples. He said, Father, I'm not praying that you take them away, that you call them home prematurely. Anytime people die, he said the Lord has called them. You know, I have issues with some of these religious statements. The Lord has called them. I don't believe that God calls people home prematurely. Unless under very strange circumstances, and I won't touch that tonight, today, because of the time uh, allocated to me. But God is not in the business of taking fathers and mothers, young children, at the prime of life, prematurely. Jesus said, don't take them out prematurely. But I pray that you protect them from the evil one. The evil one. There is an evil one. There is an evil one. He's called the old serpent. The old serpent. He's older than you. He's very good at what he does. The Bible calls him the dragon. The dragon. The serpent. Deception. Deception. Satility. Dragon. Violence. Dragon. Threatenings. Dragon. Intimidations. He's good at that. That is what he does. Being ignorant of his workings is to your disadvantage. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We cannot be ignorant anymore of the devices of the adversary. Let's move on. Psalm 91 verse 10. There shall no evil before thee. There shall no evil before me. Neither shall any plague come nigh me. Neither way. shall any virus plague. It's a plague. It shall not come near your dwelling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not enough to believe it. But you got to enforce and keep enforce and keep proclaiming it. Execute it by enforcing it. 2 Corinthians 4.13 It's not enough to just believe. You must believe and also act on your belief. How do you act on your belief? You keep securing, keep proclaiming, keep enforcing what the word says. Go ahead. Having... We, we have, have the, the same, same spirit, spirit of, of faith. faith, according as it is written. I believe, and therefore have I kept silence. Hello? Therefore I've closed my mouth. Hello? But therefore have I what? Spoken. We also believe, and therefore we keep quiet. We keep silence. By what? We speak. We what? We speak. We what? We speak. What are you saying with your mouth? What are you speaking? Others are speaking. There are people who are speaking ill of us. There are people who are waiting to hear something evil of us, of our loved ones. There are people who are waiting to hear and to see pain and grief within our walls, but let it 
boomerang in the name of Jesus. Oh, put your hands together and say boomerang, boomerang, boomerang. Let it boomerang in the name of Jesus. Let their wishes turn on them in the name of Jesus. Those Amen. It's not enough to believe, but you got to enforce it. Somebody say enforce. Come on, talk to me. Say enforce. Say proclaim, proclaim, proclaim. God said, let there be what? God said, let there be light and there was what? There would have been no light if God hasn't spoken. If you don't speak what is written, it doesn't happen. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. <clears throat> but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You can believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And believe that he's the savior of the world. If you don't confess it with your mouth, you are not saved. It is what it is. And it's time against all odds and contradiction to speak the word of God irrespective of whatever condition you find. Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word until God honors his word. They went everywhere preaching the word. The Lord working with them. Confirming his word with signs followed. You have to keep speaking it. Declare it. Proclaim it. Decree it. Command it unto God. Sanction and honors his word. Put your hands together somebody and say yes. Come on somebody say yes. The Lutukumadaki Let's move on. Matthew chapter 13 from verse 24 to verse 28. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Underline that, wise men slept. Mm -hmm. He sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, and brought forth fruit. Then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou Underline the word, An enemy has done this. He said, Didn't you sow a good seed? Didn't you do right by your kids? Didn't you bring them up well? Did not you send them to the best of school? Didn't you do everything for them to get right? What has become of these children? What has become of this one and of that one? You can do everything right and still get it wrong sometimes. So it's not about what you did right or what you did wrong. But it has everything to do with your understanding of who is responsible of what's going on. There's somebody called the evil one. There's an enemy behind the scenes that it doesn't matter what you do right or wrong, he will still find ways to sneak in, to get in, to undermine the good you've done. A friend of mine years ago flew into Ghana when they arrived at the airport with his private jet, he told the wife and the children to go to the hotel. He came straight to my office. And Tyson called me and said, so and so, he said, I said, let him come in. So he walked in and he said, preacher, 
preacher, tell me. What's going on with our kids? What's happening? Something had happened with one of his kids and it was bad. It was all over the world. Don't want to go into details. And I said, it's not us. It's not you. And it's not even the children. It's about your legacy. It's about the next generation. The adversary is on the loose and has declared war. And he said, but what have we not done? And what did we do wrong? And I said, preacher, stop blaming yourself. It has nothing to do with what we did wrong or right. It has everything to do with the times we live in. For children shall become disobedient to parents. And men shall be lovers of themselves. And lovers of money. And lovers of pleasure. There's nothing any prophet or church leader can do to change that. These are things that are written. These are events that will happen before the coming of the Son of God. Did you not sow a good seed? Did you do right? Yeah. Did you not fast and pray? What is it that you didn't do for these kids? For your husband? Submitted. Cooked for him. Love him. Did everything required of you as a wife. And yet, things went wrong. What did you do as a husband? When the extra mind provided did everything required, burn your back, did everything to make it work, and yet it did not work. You can do everything right and still get it wrong. Did you not sow a good seed? And what is this we are seeing? Where is this tears from? Among the wheat. And the master said, an enemy is responsible for this. An unseen enemy, an enemy has done this. This second wave of this coronavirus is a very deadly and evil move of the enemy. It's an evil wind. It's a spirit of death. And tomorrow is the last week of the fast and I encourage everyone, admonish you. If you haven't yet been even if you can't fast, I encourage and admonish you to be in attendance. There are people dying at home who haven't been to church and haven't been anywhere and yet are dying. I've spoken to such loved ones. One of them said to me, say, Papa, I haven't been in church, I haven't been anywhere since the lockdown, and yet I got the virus. It's not where you go and where you don't go. It's understanding what we are dealing with. He's understanding the times that these are evil days. And as never before, we must rise to the occasion and become intercessors and not accusers. This is not a time to point finger at God and others. This is not a time to say, why, why, why? God, why me? What have I done? Where is my God? These are not the days to say that. That is for babes. These are the days to rise up and understand that these are evil days and the evil one is on the loose. And we need to apply the blood of the Lamb. We need to call upon the armies of heaven like never before and say, Passover, Passover, Passover. Put your hands together and say, Passover, Passover, spirit of death, Passover. 
Passover. Amen. You know, I don't want to finish this message today. So much in my heart that we need to pray. But I want to caution you. Because a lot of people don't understand what we are dealing with. When the devil went for Job, please understand that what Satan was interested in wasn't Job's money. Yeah. The times we live in is proving to us that money is sinking sand. Yeah. That this deadly virus has no respect out of persons. It doesn't care how much you have and how much you don't have. I'm talking about people very wealthy, hiding in their palace, and they get it and they die. So it's not about how secure anybody is. It's not about the mask we wear or the mask we don't wear or how careful we are. I've, I've spoken to people who say, I was very careful. I was very careful. I don't go anywhere. I haven't been to church. I'm hiding in my house and yet I get it. The Bible says anything done without faith is sin. I will move in faith than in fear. For what I fear has come upon. I refuse to be afraid. David said the other day, when I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. Satan wasn't interested in Job's money. I'm telling you. Because he went for Job's wealth. And he wasn't satisfied. From Job's wealth, he went for his children. And he wasn't satisfied. Then he went for Job's health. He wasn't satisfied. You know what he wanted? If it was Job's wealth he wanted, when he took away everything Job's had, he would have stopped there. If it was his children he wanted, he would have stopped there after he killed all of them. If it was his health, he would have stopped there after he smote him with piles and all his body was in pain and sores and everything. He would have stopped there. That wasn't what he was interested in. Satan was not interested in Job's wealth, in his children, or in his health. You know what he wanted? He wanted Job's relationship with God. Because after doing all that, he went for the real thing he wanted and went to the wife, entered Job's wife, and said, girl, I need your services. I've tried everything. It's not working. I went for the children. It doesn't work. I went for his wealth. It didn't work. I went for his health. It didn't work. What I really want now is his relationship with God. I need you to convince him to curse God. As soon as he curses God, God's protection will be lifted of him and I can smite him and finish him. I want his relationship with God because the fact that I've done all of this and he's still standing is because of his relationship with God. If he denies God, blames God, he's finished. And the wife said, curse God and die. That was what the devil wanted. And Job looked at her and said, you speak like one of those silly women. You think, you think I'm a joke here? I know what's going on. I know it's not the children or my wealth or my health. I know it's my relationship with God that is in the line. May I submit to you, every one of you hearing me, home and abroad. And those of you who are my online members. It's not your health. 
that the enemy is interested in. Nor your money, nor your reputation, nor your children. He wants your relationship with God because he knows as long as your, your relationship with God is intact, it doesn't matter what he brings against you, you will bounce back, you will stand and your latter shall be greater than your past and your comeback will be greater than your setback. So no matter what happens, protect your relationship with God. Guard your relationship with God. Don't let anything he does undermine your relationship with God. Come on, lift up your hand, pray in the spirit. Thank you. You may be seated. Look at Job chapter 11, verse 22. Job 11, 22. Uh-huh. Should not the multitude of should not the multitude of words be answered? No, 22, 22, 22. 22, Job. Chapter 1. Job chapter 1, verse 22. 22. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He did not sin. What the enemy wants us to do is to sin. It's a sin to blame God. It's a sin to accuse God. And anything we do without faith is sin. And the enemy wants us to live in fear and in panic. But I refuse to be afraid. I will not be afraid. I know these are fear times, but I will not be afraid. I will not be a coward of fear. I will not panic nor lock myself up for the, for the reason of fear of dying. I shall not be afraid, for I will not die prematurely. I declare I will not die prematurely. When it is all said and done, I will still be here. I will be among the remnants. I will escape me and my house and my loved ones. In the name of Jesus, say amen. Lift up your hands and say in the name of Jesus. Let no father or mother bury their children. Say our wives will not be widows. Our children will not be fatherless. Say there will be no loss of any loved one or anyone that concerns us or this house, home or abroad. There shall be no loss of anyone. There shall no evil befall us. Neither shall any plague come now dwelling. Put your hands together. In all, Job 1, Job 1, 22. Again, read it again. Yeah. In all, In all this, Job said not. He sinned not. Nor charged God foolishly. He did not accuse God. He didn't say the woman that gave me. He didn't say, why have you allowed Corona? Because this thing about Corona is part of the events of the end times. And worse than this will come. And none of us can change it. 
What we need to do is to prepare ourselves in the Lord. We need to serve God than ever before. These are the days to serve the Lord than ever before. Living for God. Serving God. Not living for money and name and accolades and things. Days to own properties, to pursue material things. These are the days to work out one's own salvation with fear and trembling. Are you ready to meet your creator? Are you ready to meet your creator? Are you ready to meet your boss? Every day when you wake up and you give thanks, ask yourself, am I ready to face him? And what shall my place be in eternity? What is it that I've done? For God and his work that will give me eternal mileage. Ask yourself, all these things we are acquiring, we're going to leave it to kids who don't even love God and don't care about God. And we're going to leave it to strangers who didn't see our sweat and our pain. And they will enjoy it and insult us on top. And we'll stand before God and you realize that you labored in vain. You have no eternal mileage. Because when you were here, it was all about it, it, it. And everything here, and everything here. Nothing eternal. Are you ready to miss your master? Are you ready? On Saturday at 9 a.m., I'm having a breakfast with all about 50s. About 50s. If you're about 50, 60, 70, I want to have breakfast with you. And I have a doctor that I've asked to share some things with you at your age, some of the challenges you go through, some of the things you must know, understand, and do to stay alive. And how to get your blood to flow properly, different organs of your body, all the challenges that we face from that age, from 50 and above. It's 9 o'clock in the tent. We'll be fulfilling, observing all protocols. Amen? The breakfast is free. You don't have to pay for it. But you t I'll take an offering. So when you are coming, bring something to help with the expenses. Amen. But it's time to rethink. I'm rethinking everything. I'm rethinking everything. I'm changing my will. I'm changing things. I'm reorganizing the whole organization of the ministry. And I'm changing everything. Amen. We're not going to be here forever. And I'm not dying. I'm not going anywhere. But I'm not also taking chances. I'm not leaving anything to chance. For it is written, teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart to wisdom. We leave everything to chance. You have to be specific. And you have to understand from a certain age going, things are not going to be like before anymore. And time is of the essence. We must make the best use of time. Maximize the times we have. And from next week, Sunday night, we'll do Shabbat for 45 minutes. And I want to teach. We want to get into deliverance services. And I want to show you some of the things Jesus did before he healed the sick. That any time Jesus will heal the sick, the first thing he did was to cast out devils. Because they were responsible for the sickness and diseases. And after he had dealt with demons and cast them out, the next move was to heal them. If we don't understand these things, we'll be walking. We'll be walking in this world like sheep without shepherd. Falling for every wind of doctrine. Following men. 
pursuing men. Our faith must be in the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Follow me as I followed Jesus. That is it. As I follow Jesus. Not following men because they are gifted. Not following men and women because they are anointed. Because they are sharp. That's not why you follow people. We have to reconsider our convictions and motives while we are serving God. Job was not foolish. He understood what was going on and realized that the devil's plan was not his children. That was just by the way. It wasn't his health or his wealth he wanted. He wanted Job's relationship with God. Because he understood that as long as Job's relationship with God was intact, it didn't matter what came against him, he will always bounce back and he will do well. May I submit to you that what the devil is interested in is your relationship with God. And so many people are losing their relationship with God. Because they are angry with God, they are upset with everything going on. It's not just the coronavirus, it's all kinds of things going on. Many things are happening. Shutdown of economy, fears and panic, lack of money, misunderstanding, lack of trust. So many things are happening that if you don't focus on what is important, you will allow what is wrong to destroy what is good. I'm telling you. I'm dealing with so many things and I have to weigh things and reconsider a lot of things. And say, what matters the most? If you are told by the doctor that you will die in a week's time, what are the things that you'll be doing if you know that you don't have time anymore? All your cars, your shoes, your dresses, your Rolex watches, and everything you have, you will leave it in one week. What will you do? And what will you be doing? You know how we are misbehaving? We think we have forever. We think we'll be here forever. When a doctor tells you that you have one week to live, you think differently, you act differently. And the way you act, if you are told you have one week to live, is the way you should be acting now. The things you do then are the things you must do now. Because time is of the essence. I'll show you one scripture. We'll continue next week. Come with me to Job, chapter 2, verse 10. Job, chapter 2, verse 10. But he said unto her, Thus speaketh as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you in the times of difficult times to become ungrateful. In the times of difficult times, he wants us to turn from, away from God, blaming God, accusing God. And Job said, Shall we just receive good? Shall we just be grateful? Only in good times and turn from God in evil times or in difficult times? No. God is still God. He's still the God of the mountain, the God of the valley, the God of good times, and He's still the God of bad times. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. He's the God in winter. And the God in summer. He's the God during the day. And the God of the night. The God of the valley. 
and of the hills. He is God no matter what. Nothing changes him. Please stand on your feet. We know that you were blessed by that message and we look forward to sharing God's word with you once again. For more information on this and many other Action Chapel International products and messages, you may visit our Dominion Bookshop located on the premises of Action Chapel, Spintex Road. Or you may call our offices on 030-701-1851. Or you may also visit us online at www.actionchapel.net. Once again, thank you for joining us today. And may your life continue to be changed in God's presence.